Hello and welcome back to the podcast, the Third Millennium Church podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Garrett Gerhart, and today with me is a friend of mine. His name is Danny Kim. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. Now, we met um, a couple months ago. We were, we're both kind of on the, the team for the um, Cultivate Conference, kind of the marketing, social media, and um, we met down in San Diego, where you live now. That's right. Was it was that Dark Horse Coffee Roasters? Yeah, we're close oh, there. Yeah, so super good. Sweet, super cool. Yeah, and um, yeah, we we started dialoguing and talking a little bit. Um, have a little bit of in common, kind of. Uh, you came from ministry. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your background and uh, kind of a little bit about what you're doing right now. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So, um, as you mentioned, uh, my background uh, really is in ministry. I used to be a pastor of an inner city church plant here in San Diego, and. Um, got my Master's of Divinity here at Bethel Seminary down in San Diego. And while I was there, um, I just felt like God was inviting me to a new season uh, of life. Um, And that really looked like walking into the marketplace and using my my strengths and my my gifts, my talents to do similar work that I was doing in the church, but um, in, in the marketplace. And so... Um, I took kind of those raw elements of leadership and speaking and coaching and I translated it over to what now what I do is I'm an organizational consultant for a company called Centark and we help leaders and organizations at pivotal moments make the right decisions. So uh, I love what I do. It's very diverse and broad. Uh, but one of the things that um, I started a couple years ago to continue to help me in my journey to help organizations was I uh, started a PhD program in organizational psychology. And part of my current research right now in that program is I'm studying the impact of smartphone addiction on emotional intelligence. And so I just really love technology. I love the aspects of technology. Um, I love the opportunities that we have with technology. And I'm also very cognizant of some of the dangers of technology. And so um, anyways, that's kind of the journey I'm on right now. Um, I've, I speak on like digital distraction at times and um, I'm knee deep in my dissertation and will be soon chest deep, yeah, <laughs> drowning yeah, in it yeah. soon. That sounds really cool. I, I am very interested in some of those same things. I've, I've done some workshops on like Tech Sabbath and, and I've ever, if I've ever considered going back to school those like media psychology programs and yeah. stuff. And I'm yeah. like, man, that, that PhD, I'm like, that would be really fascinating. And it's kind of studying the same things, right? Like how totally. technology is changing culture. Absolutely. And I think that um, kind of the the way that this podcast builds into that is that the church is going to, church culture is going to change whether or not the church changes or not. Um, churches typically, you know, uh, keep up and some churches innovate and some churches die out. But tell me if you agree with this. I feel like um, the shift in culture because of these new communication tools and technologies is far greater than it's ever been. I, I agree. I think there is an interesting dynamic that we're experiencing right now. Um, I think people's psychology is changing as a result of these new technologies. Obviously, some of the beautiful things that are happening are globalization, democratization, knowledge share, People are, uh, have more information than ever before. And I think the pendulum is beginning to swing to the other side um, by over 
over information, you know, overload of information to honestly uh, disassociation, right? Where you can say whatever you want because you've got a Twitter handle and no avatar and it doesn't have your name on it. And now you can say whatever you want. It's so interesting. Uh, a few months ago, I did a podcast and I was talking about this stuff and it was the first time I experienced public Facebook shaming. Um, and somebody on the post wrote, like underneath the thread, wrote, wow, I can't believe this person is talking about digital distraction. Doesn't everyone know this is a problem? And he said something to the effect of, I can't believe people get paid to do stuff like this. Like, you know, like, it's amazing what people get paid to do. That's what they kind of said. And I, and I like was responded and I was like, oh, thanks for listening. And Unfortunately, I didn't get paid <laughs> and I'm not getting paid for this. Um, it's just a passion of mine. And so, but, but it is interesting because I'm like, I wonder if that person would have said the same thing to my face if they saw me. Like, and if they knew my heart and if they like had a high contact conversation with me, like I doubt they would have said the same thing. And sure, maybe after conversation, they could say the same thing. But because they were anonymous, like it was harmless in their mind to be able to kind of basically publicly bash me. And I think that's the kind of where the pendulum is swinging, you know, we have all these uh, opinions. And, and so anyways, I, I kind of like share that because I think it's an interesting dichotomy that we're experiencing today, you know, where there's beautiful things that are happening and there's also the perils of technology. Yeah, and I, I, th I think that's something that we try to talk um, a lot about on this show and the Facebook group that we have is that, um, there's pros and cons to every tool, every platform, yeah, absolutely. Um, anything that church has, has ever used. I, I did my, um, my master's paper on church and technology and, and did a little history on how they used, like starting with radio and how they transitioned with, into television. And each one of those developments, people were like, this is terrible. You know, mm -hmm. like I can't believe yep. the church is using this secular worldly tool, you right. know? And then, um, I guess you find that opinion today in the internet, but yeah. uh, those tools were um, were significant in their time. And yeah. now that we look back on those, we look back fairly fondly, like, oh, you know, radio ministries and, mm -hmm. and Billy Graham, you know, television and totally. radio baptized, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So, so I guess my question is, is, you know, from your, and here's what, here's one of the things that I see, and maybe you could speak into this from, from your experience in and outside of ministry in the marketplace mm -hmm. is I see two pretty polarizing views and it happens to do with people's own experience in church. And so when mm -hmm. I talk about church and technology, I get one of two things. One, oh, my, my church or churches, they don't know what they're doing. They, my, their pastor probably doesn't even have social media and they're like, churches are going to just, you know, die and no one's going to use them. And I, I, I asked them, you know, what church do you go to? And it's typically like maybe a mainline church, you yeah. know, and they've been going there. And then I say, I say church and technology. And the other response is like, oh man, churches are just out of control with technology. Lasers mm. on their mm. Sunday morning, social media. And then typically, you know, they go to like a mega church yeah. and they don't even have the background experience of a church uh, not utilizing technology because the church they go to has been on the forefront um, of every single mm. platform release. Mm -hmm. And so th if those are the two routes, uh, I guess the extreme routes that yeah. churches are taking, either either not participating or using every single one, how do you feel like the church should um, proceed mm. in the next 10 years when mm. it engages in these platforms? Because if, if, if they're using them and then now we're starting to see a lot of the negative effects, um, 
is it just use it until uh, you see the bad result? Yeah. Or how can we enter it in um, thoughtfully? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a great book for people who are listening that they might want to tap into if they're interested. And it's a book called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You by Tony Rinke. And he writes a really compelling argument. But one of the things he starts off with, he says, he gives a background brief of the theology of technology. And his kind of premise, which I really like, he says that technology is God's design and it's his idea. Because when he said to Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, be fruitful and multiply, that also in, that also um, is about creating value to the world that he's created. And so how do you be fruitful and multiply? You have to create irrigation systems. You have to create rows for plants to grow properly. You have to have a shovel to help you be more efficient. Then you have to have tools to build a home and to be, you know, and so on and so forth, right? From that to goes to cars, that goes to computers, that goes to the internet, to now robots and AI and artificial intelligence, you know? And, and I think that if you think about it, if you kind of trace it back that way, technology no longer is evil or bad, or, nor is it the silver bullet, <laughs> right? It's a tool that is useful to add value to the world. And so one of the things that I like to remind people and that he, we talk about, or he talks about in his book is that God created for six days. You know, he worked and on the seventh day he rested. And I think there's something beautiful about that image and picture that perhaps the invitation with our tools, i.e. technology, whatever that is for you, there's an invitation and opportunity to take a break and rest from it. So that's kind of my general first thought to the response. But there's a great story by um, of a uh, of the creator of Honda, and and I'll, let me just share this story because I think it's beautiful and I think it might help uh, elevate the conversation we're having right now. But um, one of my clients is Honda, and one of the stories we keep hearing when we go to Honda is that Mr. Honda, when he first created the, it wasn't the automobile, it was actually a motorcycle. The reason why he created it was because after World War II, um, he was in Japan and there was all these old uh, engines from like, from all the military. And he saw his wife rolling up her bicycle up a hill every single day carrying groceries. And he thought to himself, how could I make her life easier? because he saw how hard it was for her. And so what he did was then he started creating these basically motorized bicycles because he wanted to make her life easier. He would get these two cylinder uh, uh, engines and he would stick them on the bike and he created the first like motor Japanese motorcycle. And, and the whole idea is that he was trying to create joy for her. And I think that story is really powerful because the question really for church leaders for our listeners today, for people that have teenagers, is asking the question, does this technology bring joy to me? And does it bring joy to the people around me? Does it give me an opportunity to connect meaningfully with people? Or is it hindering my ability to meet with them? You know, is it causing me to be more anxious and create FOMO or anxiety? Um, is your laser lights at churches you can say that's good or bad. I'm, I'm not here to talk about that. But 
But the question is, is it creating joy? Is it a kind of art that is pleasing to people and that adds value? Or are you doing it because the next church down the street is doing it? You know, and it's quite interesting because we're talking about the future of the church. And that's a conversation, you know, I've been thinking about a lot. And I was just at a church planting conference um, in Florida uh, just a few months ago. And I was actually giving a talk on digital detox. Uh, and I was there sitting in the main session and there was all these lights and fog machines, nothing wrong with that. But I started wondering why, right? And actually some of the leaders said, we think that the millennials want this. And I, I, I couldn't help but like think to myself, I don't think millennials want this. You know, like, <laughs> like what we really want is like authenticity. Like we want to cut through the, the light show in order to have like real meaningful conversation. I'm more interested that my pastor shares about a story in his life and how the, this passage in scripture is impacting him than I do like a really slick, like program with like a really good worship leader and like perfect video and media. Like to me, I don't care if it's a little rough around the edge as long as it feels real, you know? And so anyways, I, I think that's a long way of saying, um, you know, there's obviously different people on different sides of the fence, if you will. My thinking is if we can answer the question, does this technology bring me joy or bring us joy and bring value to the world, then it's probably a good thing. If you can't answer that question with integrity, I think you might have to think, rethink, why are we doing this? You yeah. know? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. That was really good. I, I love the, uh, the Honda story mm -hmm. um, of trying to find a tool, mm -hmm. uh, not just to solve a problem, but to bring uh, human joy and human connection yeah. and make someone's life better. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think a lot of times some of the conversations um, that I find myself in, we're talking about social media audiences maybe and followers and uh you know instagram tactics and and i keep trying to and i don't feel like that i figured out anything new mm -hmm. but i keep reminding trying to steer the conversation to like isn't the value engagement and connection and conversation you know mm -hmm. like like um I, you know, I guess someone could find a way to get you a bunch of followers or mm -hmm. you could you could have some influence with a bunch of people but if that influence isn't a real type of connection with mm -hmm. someone, um, then I, then I don't think that it's uh, really what you're looking for, yeah. especially as a Christian trying to do, do ministry and do mission. Yep. Um, and that sounds a lot like, you know, what is the tool for? And, and I think it's, I think we forget that because the tool, and we can talk about this and hopefully mm -hmm. we will, the tool is not necessarily designed for joy, mm -hmm. connection, engagement. It's designed for probably addiction and yeah. to make money yep. for the companies. Yep. Um, but I talk to pastors sometimes about like how they can um, increase some of their engagement on Insta Instagram and Twitter. And I, I tell them something I think they don't like. I'm like, well, why don't you spend the first couple of weeks just listening hmm. to people on your social media? Hmm. Um, but, you know, but, but, I mean, by reading their comments, mm -hmm. you know, and then the next step should be um, maybe post some thoughtful responses to people's stuff on social media. And they're like, wait, like, I, I have to do that. Make a bunch of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't get to make just a bunch of posts. Mm. I'm like, well, I mean, maybe eventually, but if you want to have engagement and connect with people, you know, start with just listening to them and responding. And then maybe your first post should be if anyone has any prayer requests, yeah. you know, like, yeah. And I think that goes against people who are expecting that they're going to post something a little bit viral. It doesn't have to be yeah. huge, like world news, but a little bit viral mm. where it'll get attention. Yeah. And, I'm, and, and, um, if the tool 
only purpose is that it brings you attention. Um, that to me, to me, that doesn't sound like bringing joy or connecting yeah. people back to God or building community. Totally. That's a great point, man. I, I mean, it, I start thinking as you're talking about how if we want to create great content, we have to be great at listening, you know? And I think like we, I mean, that's what every marketer does. They have to go do market research. You don't just like post a bunch of stuff. You, you've done hundreds of hours of research to know exactly why, what people are looking for. You know, and as a consultant, that's part of what I do. I go into organizations and before I say, this is our program that you need to do, I have to listen. I have to do surveys. I have to do interviews. I have to ask the question, who are you and what's your real need? Um, and that human question. And so I think you're absolutely right. I love that advice. And I think that takes more work in some ways than just like posting like a really cool photo with like an action shot with hashtags, you know? Um, and it, it, it's, that's so much easier. And I think that there's an opportunity that people miss out on when they're not only, it's when communication is a one-way street and social media becomes a way for you to blast your thoughts without saying, who are my audience and who do I want to be in my audience, you know? Right. And I think we even see, and maybe um, it isn't talked about, and maybe this doesn't include the top 10% of influencers, but I think even the people that we like and that we follow on our on our own, um, we've had some of those moments of engagement, and that's kind of why we follow them, you mm. know? Um, and uh, my wife was listening to a podcast. Um, I don't want to miss cool. I think it's called The Next Right Thing, mm-hmm. um, a, a female podcast, and, and she, was, uh, she had a book coming out you can pre-order, but if you pre-order three, you get into the um, a writing group, uh, Hope Writers, you know? Yeah. And so she Instagram messaged this woman and uh, wanted more information about the Hope Writers. And instead of uh, sending her a link, she recorded like a four-minute audio thing. Mm. And, of course, you could guess the very next thing my wife did was pre-order the three books <laughs> so she could join the wow. writers group. Yeah. Because this woman showed some care and thought. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she sent this four minute audio clip because that was easier than writing it all out. But in her mind that she thought that was the first step. It wasn't going to be a link. Here's the homepage for the hope writers. Right. Find out. You can find out more. Right. She took time out of her day to do that. And now there's that connection. And now my wife is in in. that community. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's a good example of ways in which we can humanize technology, humanize media, right? Uh, Is how do we make it personal? How do we make it authentic? How do we not pretend that everything's perfect on one side of the screen, you know? Um, and it's crazy. I was just talking to some uh, campus ministers yesterday, actually, good friends of mine, and they were telling me how the landscape, they've been doing college ministry for 10 years, and they're saying that the, the technology is impacting college students today. Obviously, anecdotally, we see that, but even from their experience, right? Higher levels of depression and anxiety, they feel like they're connected but they're actually not, right? It's seemingly more connected than ever before, but actually their depth of authenticity and conversation is gone, you know what I mean? And um, it's actually, uh, they're seeing an impact on uh, students signing up for summer missions, you know, because they are, I mean, whether that's just, there's a lack of risk that, you know, that's a lot of risk taking that's involved. Um, so there's a bunch of things that is changing the landscape for, uh, as a result of technology, you know, the, I mean, you're familiar with this, but for those that aren't familiar with this, but the research shows, right? Like 
smartphone addiction is similar to is a behavioral addiction or it's becoming studied very quickly now and behavioral addictions are things like gambling and like shopping right so the kind of those kind of behavioral addictions you consider and that's actually the same neurochemicals that are being released as you're uh, getting those hits right it's the same thing that's happening for substance abuse so the thing is that's interesting is when you are uh, at least substance abuse there's some regulation like cigarettes you can't buy till you're 18 and now they've put a put big push on like you know like smoking is horrible so like the media is changing that landscape but um think about 13 year olds that like are getting these hits constantly right with snapchat and instagram and um uh, uh, snapchat and instagram and i i just see like there's like a there's like a physiological or a psychological shift in people young people's minds that are changing the face of our churches. You know what I mean? Um, and so the question really is, how do we reach them? How do we get to know them on that platform, but also give them an opportunity to enter into high contact relationships? And I think, I mean, we were, you were just mentioning a little bit about your like digital retreat in the forest, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I don't know if you wanna riff off of that a little bit, but it's an interesting concept. Uh, be fun? And I think that people, need that like there people feel more freedom in some ways when they disconnect and they're given the opportunity to voluntarily disconnect right so we and this is not unusual to people doing um college ministry and youth ministry but you know the children students love summer camp and they love mm-hmm. mission trips and some of the, the questions i'm getting now in the last couple of years is like well how do they handle uh, being away from their phones and i'm like are you kidding they love it yeah you know, like yeah they may not they, the, the, the very first time pe- students go, they might be a little nervous, but like then every summer, that's what they look forward to. Yeah. They're like, yeah. hey, my phone doesn't work. Yeah. I don't even know where it is. And of course, this is a high action, high activity, mm-hmm. you know, deep spiritual retreat where they're not looking for yep. a connection because it's right in front of right. them. But um, I, I kind of wondered, like, it's funny that you talk about um, possibly... Uh, less involvement in summer missions. I kind of wondered, you know, at least in a youth ministry context when I was in youth ministry, yeah. is if there would be a higher increase in summer camps, yeah. students going to summer camps, because they can't, they're not getting experience like that right. anywhere else. Like right. back in the day, you know, you, you, you know, even now, I mean, it happens every once in a while, families go camping and, right. and there's, there's vacations. I think that's happening kind of less and less. And yeah. so the, the youth retreat that you can invite your friend to where you're going to go backpacking it's going to, for a lot of people, they've n- never done anything like that or would ever consider it. Right. And now, maybe, maybe the church might be positioned, you know, I've always thought, you know, if we capitalize on kind of the spirituality of, mm-hmm. of our connection with God, we can be positioned to offer experiences that they're not getting other places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would hope that is true, you know, and I think the I'd be curious to see if that is happening. You know, like obviously anecdotally, we're like, yeah, totally it'd be better for students for them to disconnect. Like, and I would agree with that statement. The question- I don't re- think it is, Danny. I, exactly. I don't, I, I don't yeah. think it is because they can't play Fortnite exactly. while the phone doesn't work. Exactly. And if you're totally, totally. And um, I, 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 mean, I mean, that's a conversation. Maybe you should have a youth pastor on, on and see like what they're dealing with because I think that that's absolutely right. And- and so it goes back to kind of the formation of family and, 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 and young people, right? And 
I think part of the challenge is, so like millennials and baby boomers and Gen Xers, like who have kids right now that are in their teens, right? So that's like upper millennials to like Gen Xers. They grew up, they didn't grow up with technology. Like, I mean, I was looking at my junior high um, yearbook the other day and this person wrote their phone number and their pager number and their phone number <laughs> was not their cell phone it was their home phone number oh, right like awesome. landline and I was like we didn't grow up like in that era and so now we're on all the time I mean Gen X I mean the problematic smartphone use is not just for young people and so we're the setting the example and precedence for how technology should be used and the lack thereof. And and honestly, it's like easier if you're a parent and your 13 year old's there and you're like tired and you're emailing and you're like, all right, we'll just jump on your phone and don't bother me, you know, till dinner. And it's like, that's happening. That's like a very real thing. And I think that the formation of healthy smartphone use and technology use begins with the leaders of the home and leaders of the church, pastors, you know, um, that are going, I've got one hour with my staff team. I'm gonna disconnect. I'm gonna to choose to turn on, put on airplane mode. Um, and Simon Sinek has this great little talk on technology. And he says like, well, one, there's research that shows that if there's a smartphone between a person and while you're having a conversation, that immediately lowers human connection, right? The people feel less connected. And he, Simon Sinek says like, when you pick up your phone and say, oh, that's not important, and then put it down, even though you don't answer it, he's like jokingly says like, you just showed that person that that phone call was more important than the other person, because even if you didn't pick it up. And so like, it's ironic, but we as leaders need to begin to think mindfully and cognitive, uh, cognitively about how we're using our phones um, and not letting that become a distraction in our own lives. Yeah, I love that. And because the, the, the question has always been is, is um, kind of like how do we start mm-hmm. that thoughtful use and that, um, and I, I remember for a while uh, I was doing youth ministry in 2003. There was about almost 10 years where um, you know the adults, the boomers, they really weren't using smartphones mm-hmm. and yeah. social media, and then the teens were, and they were looking at me, kind of an older millennial, like to kind of mitigate that and yeah. navigate through that yeah. to get their kids off of technology. And I was like, I don't know, it's kind of fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then soon it was like, now no one knows what um, is right. Being, yeah. 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 Because now the parents, it didn't take long for the parents to kind of give up on that because they're at Just home as on much. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but I like that you connect it to leadership because maybe it's not, um, you know, maybe it's, we don't, we don't need to be disappointed that it's not built in, that we feel this desire to disconnect. You know, we're giving in kind of to the addiction on a daily, minutely basis and that's that's bad but yeah but maybe we can approach it from it's just going to be another type of of leadership development yeah. in the same way that we uh, teach ourselves to be um a good organized uh, yeah. in our life yeah teach ourselves to be fit yeah. teach ourselves to be yeah. kind and compassionate yep we're just going to have to develop these limits uh yeah. with technology in the yeah. same way that we do with other I don't know what you call them, but just other uh, life lessons. Like digital hygiene. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> it's like, hey, you brush your teeth in the morning or before you go to bed for sure, you know? Like yeah. there's an opportunity for us to think about, like it's like digital etiquette. Like, hey, when you come to my home, like it's like if you walk into my home, I'm Asian. So like you take off your shoes, you know? It's like when you come into my home, you put your phone in the box 
and you, you're fully present here because that's the kind of culture I'm trying to create. You know, I do this with teams all the time. Like when we do workshops, I invite them to put their phones in a box. And um, it's kind of crazy to watch their reactions. Um, and uh, I was doing this once with a client and after about, I did it, I, I was there every month for six months. And after the third month, people start bringing their phones all together to my meetings. There you go. And I wasn't even having them put their phones away, but they just knew like, oh, Danny might have me put it away, but I was changing the culture. And I was inviting them to consider how is this phone getting in the way of your productivity and connection? Because I'm like, I've got 90 minutes with you guys. Be fully here, you know? And so anyways, I think that um, it's an interesting thing to consider. I love that you're thinking about that. It's a leadership development opportunity. It's not just like a, a side thing, but it's a competency and a thing, opportunity that we need to really invest into and consider. Yeah, in the same way as we as as people, we people want to be leaders, you have to to be a better leader and learn yeah. different skills and traits. And yeah. maybe it's like, yeah, I'm not, I want to learn how to, let's say it's public speaking, you know, speak better, speak well in front of people in the same way. Like I'm going to have to learn how to be present and put my phone away because that's what a good leader does, or that's what a caring person does. You know? Right. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, one of the questions I ask, I like to ask people is, you know, where do they see the future of the church yeah. happening right now? Yeah. And, and I don't know, I'll let, I'll let you answer that, but I, I, I do like that we're kind of circling around the conversation that hopefully the church is going to be a part of the retreat from technology dependence, I, right. I hope in, in some way, or hope people will, will, will see that the church has that yeah. value or that opportunity. Um, but that being said, what do you think looks like the future of the church happening right now? Sure. Um, I, I think the church is interesting. It's in a, a very interesting time. Um, I think that there is going to be a need, a reform on how we think about um, authenticity, meaning um, how are, is everything we're doing uh, from Sunday morning experience to community groups or life groups or everything in between, is there a spirit of authenticity? Not one that's kind of putting on a show, not one that's uh, trying to put on a facade, which is what social media can do. It, it has a danger of that. Um, you know, I think that I think that that's where the church is at right now, you know, um, that we're, th there's a need to really kind of revive the authenticity. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting is I think that um, as ironic as it is, I think people are starting to disconnect from social media as a way of cr trying to create real connection. Um, actually, just a couple weeks ago, um, Mark Zuckerberg, and we're not sure what he's going to do yet, obviously the founder of um, Facebook, he was saying that he's trying to re develop Facebook as a, almost like a WhatsApp, where it's a little bit more intimate connections, not having, you know, whatever thousands of people that you're connected to and they see everything is like, he, I mean, and actually Instagram is doing that with stories. Like you can have like your close friends or whatever. And I think there's a real push towards that saying, I mean, it's going to be interesting because guess what? Um, shareholders don't like that. They want maximum attention grab. Um, social media is beginning to shift and it's an interesting thing because it's like in some way they're sabotaging their own strategy and so I'm quite curious to see what that looks like um, but I, I think that the church number one 
needs to address technology um, on a regular basis. Um, I think there, there needs to be a way to um, talk healthily about it without shaming people. I don't think it's prescriptive. You know, it's not like do this and don't do this. It's more like what are ways in which you're um, considering the impact of technology in your home, you know, as a leader um, in, in your community. And so those are kind of some questions that I'm considering, you know, and thinking about. And I think that um, if anything, I'm going to encourage leaders of churches like to really think about how they're fostering authentic community and not just creating programs to like get people in the door because i think our measure of success needs to be recalibrated if that makes sense like i think that the consumeristic like get 45 people here 150 people there and you know how many people rose their hands is really beginning to change um and uh how many likes you get on instagram for example like i think that we need to begin to be okay with seeing less but that being more you know, um, and I think that's a scary thing because we we love metrics. We love seeing hits, you know, um, and in some ways, my topic of digital distraction and smartphone addiction is like, like, I, 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 I this is a funny side story, but I gave a talk and I asked everybody, I gave this talk at a um, on digital distraction and I asked everybody to put their phones away for the entire talk and I got zero Instagram story like photos of me in that talk and so i literally sabotaged <laughs> oh, my like man, it never happened because there's no photos. exactly exactly and i was like man that sucks but it was like <laughs> but that's right like like my social media fame or whatever you know is is sabotaged because i think this is more valuable you know what i mean um and so there there's this amazing quote and if it's okay i'd love to share it um by James Halliday, which is the creator of Oasis from Ready Player One, uh, which is fun because it's like a sci-fi movie and uh, slash book novel. And at the very end, he says this quote, I'll just read it. I think it's really powerful. And there's something that we can all gather from that. But he says at the end, I created the Oasis, this virtual reality world, because I never felt at home in the real world. I just didn't know how to connect with the people there. I was afraid for all my life right up until the day I knew my life was ending. Now that, that is when I realized that as terrifying and as painful as reality can be, it's also the only place that you can get a decent meal because reality is real. And I just love that quote because it really speaks to this spirit that says, the thing that is actually real is the person in front of me, is my family, is my friends, it's my church, it's my neighbor, it's my place. And digital um, connection with folks is amazing and it's powerful. It's how you and I connected. It's how others like, you know, on your podcast have connected. And at the end of the day, saying how can we make sure that that is what's happening, you know, um, in a regular basis. And that could be a FaceTime video too. I mean, use technology, but make it real. You know, not these like Snapchat stories that like are fading and that actually show one aspect of your life. Um, and so that's my invitation for folks. Um, how do you create joy using technology? And, um, you know, how might the church really harness the power of technology? Because I think there's some powerful ways, but not use it as a consumeristic intention grabber, you know, but as a way to really encourage people um, and to, uh, 
yeah, to, to, to honor them. Yeah, I love that. I, I think we have a lot in common. I think we, sh- we have a very similar message. Yeah. Um, I, I love, um, I, think we're, I think many people are seeing, but we're both seeing kind of this, this transition and this value placed on um, kind of connecting with one another. Mm-hmm. If we're going to use online tools, right? So connecting yeah. with one another as opposed to just kind of this, this one-way thing. Yeah. Um, a good example I give people is, you know, I say uh, about a year ago, I changed most of my Facebook interactions. I, I joined a bunch of groups of things I was already interested in. Mm-hmm. Church and technology, um, uh, ministry leaders, and my notifications from Facebook started becoming um, people in those groups, like asking for help and asking mm. questions and mm. posting posting thoughtful dialogue as opposed to notifications on my feed that were just random and full of ads, right? Yeah. And, and full of um, polarized, you know, Whatever. views. Yep. And now, uh, I still probably spend too much time on social media, but now I'm being invited on my smartphone into discussions about things that I'm, that I care about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I can, if I'm going to spend some time online, I can spend some time helping this person with some question they have about church and technology or helping this person, um, you know, further a discussion that they have to them has value. And I think that's kind of like this. I hold that as an example of someone like you could spend all day kind of just browsing social media, or you can spend some of that time like having a connection with someone. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. And that's kind of where hopefully where we're going. And yeah. that's what we need to build more of. Yeah. Uh, create more opportunities, especially as a church. I, I think that's right on. Um, I'm aligned with you. And I really hope that this kind of podcast and the work you're doing really encourages people to be mindful, you know, um, and maybe one day you'll read a, lead a retreat um, for, for something like that. I think it's powerful. It's necessary. It's happening already. But I think there's a beautiful opportunity for the church to even like help run this. You know what I mean? Um, because we want that. We want to deeply connect. That's at the very core of who we are. Um, and unfortunately, the current technology is getting in the way of that. You know, and just like any technology that's overused, for example, carbon emission, like we have to be like we're seeing the effects of that to nature, you know, and so we just have to be. Yeah, like when is it enough? for technology and when will we have to say, okay, okay, like we need to slow down or we need to stop or pull back, you know? Well, thank you so much, Danny, for being on the show. It was great. We could talk for hours, yeah, I'm sure, absolutely. about this. We'll have to do uh, it again. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, where can people uh, follow all of your amazing content? Great. Um, just write me by mail. At, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fax me. No. Um, my uh, website is Danny Kim with two M's.com. And um, my, all my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is Danny Kim with two M's. Um, that's my handle. And so, yeah, people can find me there. Um, shoot me a message or, 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 or shoot me an email through my website. Um, and I love to connect. I love to hear what people are doing, thinking about, struggling through. And, uh, and I'd be happy to be a resource. Cool, man. Thanks so much for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you.